0: Thank you for that. That was beautiful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back in 1 John. Uh, We're going to look at uh, verses 7 and 8 in particular this morning, Uh, but I wanted to read for you the context and kind of recap what we talked about last week a little bit um, because it's going to lead up to uh, or it's going to help inform us of these verses, you know, and when you're reading through scripture, you can't just take anything out of context. You always have to look at what's around, uh, who, you know, who the author's talking to and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot going on. Uh, so we don't want to, even though I'm only going to cover basically two verses and it's going to uh, maybe seem like I'm just taking one or two words here, but we're trying to keep everything in context, everything in light of what we said last week and what John is saying here. Um, So just as a quick refresher, last week we talked a lot about um, how John here is writing to um, what he says, my little children, okay? So he's, uh, anytime I kind of read through this book, I get the picture of a a grandfather speaking to, you know, his grandchildren or his, you know, children who still calls, you know, my little children, you know, I don't know. But anyway, I picture my grandfather on my dad's side who was a pastor and we would, anytime we would um, have the opportunity to meet or go up and see him, it was, uh, I have just the vision in my head of Grandpa Dave, or Grandpa is what we called him. Uh, he, we would always kind of sit around and he would tell us stories. That's what he was um, kind of, I mean, he was a preacher as well, but he always had a story to tell us, and obviously the stories always had a lesson. And so I can remember a few times um, they lived up in the, Northwest, uh, British Columbia, Canada for a while, the Seattle area, so we didn't get to see him very often, but every time we did, I remember the stories that he would tell, so it was, I see, I kind of picture Grandpa Dave when I think about John, you know, about my little children, come around and let me tell you something, you know, he's at the end of his life, and he wants to share what he knows is important about life, and so we're going to focus today on verse 7 and verse 8, all right, But we have to remember that he is talking to us about the message, if we look at chapter 1, verse 5, the message that we heard from the beginning that he proclaimed to us. Right? And think about what else did John write in Scripture? What other book? Revelation and the Gospel of John. Right, So that would be the, that would be the, the message that he proclaimed to us would be the entire Gospel of John. Right? His experience about what he saw and what he heard from Jesus himself. Okay, and that's what he says up in chapter one. He says that which we have looked on, which we have touched with our hands, which we've seen, which we have seen concerning the word of life, we proclaim to you. Okay, so John has seen a lot, and he's telling us, uh, basically summarizing for us in these five chapters in First John. He's kind of summarizing the whole Gospel of John for us. So it's a pretty cool um, book. So one of the things that he wants us to know is how not to sin. This is what we talked about last time, right? We know that God is light. He is good. And if we can remember that God is good, if we always remember that God is good, it will help us not to sin, okay? Always remember that what God has done, what he commands, what he wants from us is good, right? It is the good thing that will help us not to sin. And then he says in chapter 2, if we do sin, right, don't, we have an advocate with the Father. We have our propitiation, Jesus Christ the righteous. Remember, we talked about that word too, propitiation being the sacrifice that turns wrath into favor. So Jesus Christ himself Is the sacrifice that took God's wrath on himself and turned it to favor towards us, right? Um, So we talked about that a good bit last time. And so we come now to verse 7 and verse 8, okay? And we're going to kind of use these two verses uh, for, well, actually, I'm going to, I'll tell you in just a minute. Let's reread verse 7 and 8. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to take, those, we're going to take the old commandment and the new commandment. All right, we're going to look at What is the old commandment that he's talking about, and how is this commandment made new? Okay, so that's our basically. If you wanted to put out two or two point outline instead of a three point this time, usually I do the good old, you know, the the standard three point outline, but this time it's just two. Old commandment, new commandment. All right, so let's go. We're going to be kind of all over the place here in the scriptures. I have a lot written down, so you won't have to turn there. But um, when you think of old commandment. One of the first things that should pop into your head is Exodus chapter 20, right? The good old Ten Commandments. So let's turn to Exodus 20 really quickly, and we're just going to kind of glimpse through these. We're not necessarily going to read every word. Um, Hopefully these are very familiar to you, but we're going to look at the Old Commandment. What is the Old Commandment that he's talking about? The commandment that you have heard, okay? So he's talking about people in the church. He's talking about people that know the scriptures, okay? So this would be the old commandment that they know. And we're picking the Ten Commandments. There's a lot more. If you read the rest of Exodus, if you read the Leviticus, there's a lot of commandments in there. But the Ten Commandments specifically summarize for us the moral law. Um, So we could get into that if we want to, but we're just going to kind of um, not worry too much about the civil law and the um, ceremonial law, like all the sacrifices and all that. Anyway, so we're going to focus on the moral law. All right, Ten Commandments. Now, the first thing I want to point out is look at chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Look what God says here. Chapter 20, Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gets into commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Now notice, what does, or you could say it like this, what happened before God expects us to obey? What happened to Israel? Before he even gave the command... Israel had to be saved, right? Salvation had to come. Salvation came to Israel, and then he gives the law, okay? Salvation came. I have saved you. Now, therefore, go and do this, okay? That's important to note. He saved Israel, right, from Egypt. That's what he says, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, therefore, do this, Okay, so just kind of keep that in mind. All right, ten commandments are broken up into two sections. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Okay, so let's look at those, the first four really quickly. Verse three, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, simple enough, no other gods before him. Verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything. Right, we could summarize this as no idols, right? You shall not have idols, and it goes on even further. Um, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We'll talk about that maybe in a minute. Look at verse 7. Commandment number 3. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Right? No blasphemy. Or no using um, God's name as a curse word, or anything like that. Reverence for his name, right? And then verse 8. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And there's a lot more about that. But we're going to kind of stick to the summary here because we're going to try to move through these. So no other gods, no idols, keep my name holy, and remember the Sabbath day. These are the four commandments that teach us what our relationship to God, what is our relationship to God supposed to look like. No other gods, don't serve anybody else, right? Keep his name holy, and then remember the Sabbath day. That's what our relationship to God is supposed to look like. Okay? The last six. Relationship with people. Okay? So in verse 12, all right, we'll go through these quickly. You know these. They should be very familiar. Honor your father and mother. Right? Commandment number five. Commandment six, you shall not murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. um, What are we on? Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness, or you shall not lie. You know that? And then seven, verse 17, commandment number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, neighbor's wife, servant, female servant, ox, donkey, and anything that belongs to your neighbor. You shall not covet. So the last six are how we are supposed to relate to one another. What are we supposed to do with the people around us? First four, how do we treat God? Last six, how do we treat people? Now, a quick word about these commandments, Uh, especially the last, or you could say the negative commandments. When God says, do not do this, okay? When God says, do not, he is automatically implying that there is something you are supposed to do, okay? When God says, do not lie, what does he mean that we're supposed to do all the time? Tell the truth. Okay. Now think about it. Does that kind of change the commandment a little bit in your mind? Like, do not lie. Okay. Whew. All right. Okay. I'm, 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 okay. I don't think I've lied. Always be honest at all times. Always tell the truth at all times. Does that change it a little bit for you? All right. Let's. How about um, murder for a minute? Okay. You shall not murder. Don't do that. Instead, what are we supposed to do? Protect life. Cherish life. Right? Protect it. Do everything in your power to protect, to cherish, and to honor life. Whoa. That gets a little bit harder, doesn't it? Right? Think about um, do not commit adultery. Okay? Well, I haven't cheated on my wife at all. That's good. Always be faithful. Always. At every point in time. Always be faithful. That's what God is telling us to do. Always love. Cherish. The vows, right? What did we, what did we promise to do? Always do that. <laughs> Alright, that's a little bit harder. Right? Do not steal. Respect private property. Work for yourself. If you want something, work for it to get it. Don't take it from other people. Right? Always respect other people's property. This is the, uh, had uh, the experience not too long ago, the little uh, Walmart bag in the front seat of the car, right? And the windows are cracked open. You're just driving along and all of a sudden you hit that speed where that bag starts to dance in the side, right? And then it flies up and does this number and you're trying to swat it down and you're trying to, then, it shoots right out the window, right? And you look at it in the rearview mirror, flutter away. Oh man, oh well. Keep going. Right? A little litter, a little piece of trash. That's not a big deal, right? It's just one bag. But is that respecting property? Is that always respecting other people's property? Just one little piece of trash. Right? But that's breaking a commandment. Yikes. This stuff this stuff gets hard. We already talked about don't lie. How about don't covet? Now, this one. The other ones didn't get you before, right? Do not covet. Always be content in every situation. Whoops. I'm out, (laughs) right? I mean, goodness gracious. This law is tough, right? It's not just the do nots. It's the implied, okay, if I'm not supposed to do this, then what am I supposed to do? Do you remember our conversation about propitiation last time, where we talked about Jesus paid the debt and brought us back to zero, but zero doesn't help us. We need the positive. We need the obedience. You remember that? If we don't sin, all right, that's good, but where's the obedient part, All right? Where's the obedience that actually gets us into heaven, so to speak? This is what God says, like, you have to be perfect. You can't just sit on a couch and do nothing with your entire life. That would be like zero, right? You didn't go out and obey. You didn't go out and use your gifts that God gave you. You didn't go out and do this. You didn't do this, right? We have to have the obedience part too. This is what is all implied in these commandments. Not only do not do this, but you are to do this, right? So think about um, commandment number two, right? No idols, Okay, we talked a lot about this commandment in our um, Sunday school class when we talked about service. It says, you are not to serve anything else. So what does that mean we are supposed to serve? We're supposed to serve God. It's not a passive commandment. It's not just a don't do this. It is a do this. Don't serve idols. Instead, serve God. Only. Because he is a jealous God. Right? So... This law, if we look at it carefully, is impossible. Okay? This law is impossible to keep. All right? This is the old commandment that he's talking about. And if you're not convinced that it's impossible, let's flip over. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy, that's a book? Yes, it's a book. One of them. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is another um, of the first five books. This one kind of restates the law. There's a little bit more added here. There's some added there. But there's a couple of times. We're going to look at three spots, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 10, and Deuteronomy 11, where the law is summarized for us. Okay? So if you can't remember all those Ten Commandments and what we're supposed to do, here's the summary that's easy for us to memorize and easy for us to learn. Easy to know. Look at verse 5. Okay? Um, where did it? Here we go. All right. Let's do first, verse 4. Okay? Verse 4 and verse 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Woo. How are we doing now? Right? If you thought you were okay with the Ten Commandments, how are you doing now? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? Man. Flip over to Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. What does he say again? And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But you fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then he says, and keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord. One more. Look at 11. It's right next to it. 11 verse 1. Chapter 11 verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments Always, so what is this law? What is this old commandment that God wants us to do? This is the law of love. What does God want? God wants us to love him perfectly. right? That's the commandment: to love God perfectly. Okay? Sometimes we get caught up in the in the list, right? We take a look at those ten commandments and we' say, all right, let's start checking these off. Have you lied today? No, no, not at all, not at all. Whoop. Oh, man, push that back in. Um, I haven't stolen anything, check. I haven't done any of that. God isn't after list checkers, right? That's not what he wants. He wants love, okay? And we're going to look at a couple of people here, one person in particular, okay? Um, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I'll just kind of, I'll. you don't have to turn there. I'll tell you the story. First. Samuel 15, this is the story of the first king of Israel, King Saul, right? God gave him a charge, all right, go to these people, wipe them out completely, wipe them out. They've done evil things, they are an evil people down to the core, wipe them out, burn the city, no animal is to escape, not the king, not anybody, wipe them out. Saul says, all right, yes, sir, and he goes and he fights and he wins the battle, but then what does he do? He spares the king. He lets the people take the spoils. They were supposed to burn it all. And then he saves the animals. A thousand rams, a thousand bulls, or something like that. So Samuel the prophet comes up. And he goes, how'd the battle go? Saul goes, great, I did everything the Lord told me to do. And Samuel goes, and how come I hear sheep in the background? What is that you got there? Goes, oh, well, I spared the king and I spared these sheep but don't worry I'm going to sacrifice the sheep to God yeah that's why I saved them cuz I'm going to sacrifice and here's what Samuel tells Saul because of this this is verse 21 and 23 of Samuel 15 first Samuel 15 he says this has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To listen, better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So what does God seek? He says to obey is better than sacrifice to listen is better than the fat of rams, right? The fat portion was like the best portion of the meat, you know, you know how it is, right? You always look for the meat with the good fat in there and it makes it so tasty. Same thing, God wanted the best, right? Deserves the best, so he said, the fat portion comes to me. That's, you're sacrificing the best part of the meat for God. Anyway, so that's why it says the fat of the rams. Anyway, that's the best part, but... God requires what if Saul did what he, what God told him, what would he have proven to God? Right? If Saul obeyed, I listened to his voice, I know God, I love him, so I'm going to do everything he says. But God disobeys, excuse me, not God, <laughs> Saul disobeys, and what does he prove? He proves he doesn't love God. That's what he proves. And this is what Samuel calls him out on, right? He says, rebellion is as the sin of divination. Just really quickly, right? Divination is witchcraft, is calling up demons and um, calling up spirits to, you know, try to tell the future or something like that. Rebellion is as bad as witchcraft, right? Think about what is rebellion, is rejecting authority, and then witchcraft is going after the authority of Satan. Really, that's what you're doing, Right, You're seeking the authority of evil spirits. That's what witchcraft is. So you're saying it's the same thing. Rejecting God and then going after demons. You're rejecting my authority either way. And then this is the tough one. Presumption is as idolatry. Guessing what God wants. That's what presumption is. right? Guessing what God wants. Anybody ever heard like, oh, God would want me to have this. Or God would want me to do this. Or something like that. You heard that before? Maybe, I mean, not... You might have thought it before, right? Sometimes we don't really say these things out loud, but, you know. Anyway, oh, God would want me to do this. God would want me to do that. What are you, you're presuming. God has told you what he wants right here, right? We don't have to presume what he wants. We know. We know. And that's what he says. Presuming what God wants is idolatry. What are you doing when you presume what God wants? You're turning God into what you want, right? Right? Who God would want me to have this? Oh yeah, right. God would want me to take. Oh that, yeah, the other example, right? Uh, told you about this last week as well. That twenty dollar bill that came out of the uh, the self checkout, right? I put some money in. I was supposed to get like three dollars in change, and now it comes one, a one and a twenty. Oh yeah, I'm about to make money on this transaction, and I just swipe that up and go for it, you know, thinking in my head. Hey, the machine made a mistake. This is God wanting me to have this twenty, right? Woo! God providing for me. Yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> God don't want me to steal from some anyway. That's the whole point. I was presuming, you know. So, moving on. Okay, moving on. Couple more verses, just to actually one more. We need to we need to get going here. One more. Hosea six six says this. This is God speaking. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Right? This is what, first, this is what John is talking about. In First John, when he says the love of God being perfected in us, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the commandments that we obey are not the check. All right, check, check, got it, check, got it, check, got it. The commandments that we obey come from a position of love, not a position of, oh, I have to, I must, right? So this is the Old Commandment. Flip over to the New Testament, right, not literally, just in your mind, okay? What does Jesus say about the commandment? All right, that was the Old Testament. The Old Testament commandment is love God perfectly. What does Jesus say about this? Okay? Okay. Think in your mind, okay? We're not going to have too much time to look through all this, but we'll summarize for you. Um, Actually, you can turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. We'll be there in just a minute. But think about Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes in, right? It is his, as far as written, you know, in our scriptures for us, this is like the the first sermon kind of thing we typically call it. One of the first sermons that Jesus preached, and the similarities are um, not to say obvious, I should say. Anyway, Ten commandments were given on a mountain, right? People all around, God spoke. On this mountain, people were terrified, and they fled. Jesus comes down. now he's on top of another mountain, and this time He calls people to him. And he gives the law again. But it's a little bit different. Instead of being afraid, he draws them in. So we kind of get this little picture. Whoa, this is, this is different. But he still talks about the same law. Okay, just, just quickly. If you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, okay, Jesus restates what God wants. Just a couple of examples. He says something like, you've heard, um, you shall not murder. Takes the commandment, right? Then he goes, but I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother has committed murder in his heart. Oh, man. Not only are we have this commandment, do not murder. Oh, yeah, check, good. I did that. Excellent. Then Jesus goes, no. Look inside your heart. Have you been angry with somebody? And you've murdered inside your heart. You have sinned in your heart even though it didn't come out. He's taking the commandments and he's turning them inward. Right? Because where does sin start? Right? Sin doesn't start out here. It starts in here. Right? So he turns the law into us, inside our heart. He says, if you've looked with lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. That if you have anxiety, if you worry about things, that's like a lack of faith. Right? And he's talking about clothes and food and stuff like that. Right, So if you worry about these little things, like seek after God. He says, oh, you of little faith. God takes care of the birds, takes care of the flowers. He loves you more than that. He'll take care of you. Just trust in him. And then he goes all the way down to probably one of the more revolutionary ones. He says to love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. This was unheard of. Right? What do you mean, love your enemies? Because think about the history of Israel. What have they been? They've been in constant conflict all the time. And Jesus goes, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? What in the world? So think about the list checkers now. Right? Uh, by the way, the good example of a list checker would be the Pharisees. Okay, These were the guys who took the Old Testament law, made a whole bunch of lists, about, okay, what does it mean to keep this law? And they started checking those lists off every day. Right? One example really quickly. You know when Jesus spit in the mud, or spit in the dirt and made mud with his fingers and put it on a guy's eyes, and the guy washed and was made well? Do you know what the Pharisees were angry about? That he mixed mud and dirt and water and made mud on the Sabbath day. One of their lists, they look at the commandment, do no work on the Sabbath day. And they say, okay, well, what's work? Well, example is making bread. Okay, well, what do you do to make bread? You mix ingredients to make something new. Okay, no mixing ingredients to make something new on the Sabbath day. Can't do it. So when Jesus took water and dirt and made mud, they called him breaking the commandment. They were mad at that, and they missed the whole picture of God making a blind man see. Right? They were list checkers. They were the list checkers. And then when they hear Jesus say something like, you are a murderer in your heart, they can't stand it. They've been checking that list all their life, right? They think they keep the commandments and God turned it on them and said, no, commandments are kept here, right? One more thing, Matthew 22, 34 uh, 34 through 40. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus say there? Uh, I forgot to mark it. Matthew 22, 34. Jesus confirms what the Old Testament teaches. Right? Uh, Look at verse 35. A lawyer asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So how is this commandment new? We took the Old Testament, and the Old Testament says to love God perfectly. And then when Jesus comes, Jesus says, love God perfectly. How is this a new commandment? How is this new? Well, this is where we get to John, 1 John, chapter 2. Back in 1 John. We made it back. (laughs) Verse 8 says this. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and true in you. Why is it a new commandment? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So how is this a new commandment? Because the light is here. The light has come. Who is the light? Jesus himself, right? What did he do? He came, he lived perfect life, died, died, Buried for three days, rose again and is alive, and ascended into heaven. The light has come, so it makes the law new somehow. Flip to Romans 7. I told you we'd be... Oh, man. all right, Very quickly. I'll read this for you. You don't have to flip there if you want. Here's how Paul puts it. Okay? Here's how Paul puts it. Romans chapter 7, verse 1 kind of halfway through. The law is binding on a person as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound to the law, is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, okay, here's how the law is new. You also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way, the way of the Spirit, and not the old way of the written code. What is Paul saying here? The new law is not, the new law is still love God. But guess what? The new law is love God because Jesus did it. Because you have died with Christ and you have been raised with Him. You are no longer subject to the old law, the law of the flesh. Now you are in the law of the Spirit. You are in the law of the Spirit. Here's what John says. This is 1 John 3, verse 23. Listen to what John says. And this is God's commandment, that we believe In the name of Jesus Christ, his son, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Notice what John is saying there. Believe first, and love comes. Believe in Jesus, who has loved God perfectly, and he will give you the love to obey the commandments. That is the new commandment. It's not a list that we have to check. It's a person that we have a relationship with. God has always been after the relationship. Always. Ever since the beginning, all the way through Jesus. He has been after the relationship with his people, but now it is possible because of what Christ has done. So if we had to summarize, we could say this. The old commandment is to love God perfectly. The new commandment is to believe in Jesus who loved God perfectly for us. Or, as John also says, we are able to love because He first loved us. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Brother Bryce is going to close for us. bowed
1: and our eyes are closed. <clears throat> it's profound stuff this morning. Uh, we think about the love of God, but as we pray and, and think about what God has done, and there's a massive responsibility for those of us that know Christ because uh, the Bible says that love, that love that Christ demonstrated, has been shed abroad within every heart of all who've been saved. And now we, we demonstrate our love for the Christ that's been our substitute, we, we demonstrate our love through a life of obedience. Thinking a little bit further, when after the Sermon on the Mount, when you're thinking about all the demands, and as He makes us look inward, He came down off the mountain and immediately He met a leper. And the leper said to Him, You can... If you're willing, you can make me whole. And it says Jesus reached out and made him whole. And folks, I want you to know that's what He's done for you. That's what He's done for me. And now we're going to love in word and deed because Christ has first loved us. It's not an obligation. It's about glorification. We don't do it because we have to we do it because we want to you know we have this invitational hymn and we sing it quite often have thine own way Lord and that that is a plea for those that are unsaved but you have to admit that should be a daily plea for every one of us that are saved have thine own way Lord. Just a moment, I want you to stand with me and we're going to sing a couple of verses of that hymn. If you're here today and you need to be saved, the Bible says Jesus came and died for sinners like you. And if you're going to sing Have Thine Own Way, why don't you surrender your heart to Him? Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but also it's for us who believe. Really. Really think, does the Lord have His way with you? Father, we love You and move among us now, we pray in in Christ's name. Stand with me.